The following episode of An Evening at the Movies is brought to you by the I Did Not Make These Rankings Podcast Network. Masturbators, The Sip List, An Evening at the Movies, Crushgasm, and Love is Black all bring you this following episode. Thank you very much and have a nice day. Again, and welcome back to everybody's favorite movie-based podcast, An Evening at the Movies. I am your incredibly overworked and underappreciated, but excited to be here host, Casey. This is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down sodas and discuss all of our favorite movies and why we love them. So for those of you who have watched or listened to the last episode being the second round result show, you know that everybody's favorite co-host is currently being bougie up in new york and enjoying new year's eve in times square so haha enjoy being around a shit ton of people and a lot of garbage but have a lot of fun stepping in and replacing her today though we are happy to bring back for the first time in almost a freaking month we have papa palpatine is with us as well today welcome back mr chris How's it going? Oh, it's going. Where, I have no friggin' idea, but it's going. Yeah, fuck it, we'll do it live. Again, that's what she said. <laughs> right! <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, for those of you who do not know or are living under a rock, as of, well, this episode is going to drop on New Year's Eve, which is December 31st. And also is the day that the college football playoff at one o'clock in the West and three o'clock in the Chris Cole time zone is kicking off. 
we're going to pay tribute to the college football playoff today, and we are going to be discussing a hilarious freaking football movie by the name of Necessary Roughness. Which, not going to lie, doesn't have a horrible freaking cast either. I mean, it's not a whole bunch of A-listers, but considering that it's a low-budget football movie, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, So, with that said... um, before we get into Papa Palpatine doing his live plot description, uh, let's see. Necessary Roughness released on September 27th, 1991. It was directed by Stan Dragati. It was released by Paramount Pictures. It had a budget of $13.5 million. And had a $26.3 million box office. Not going to lie. It definitely was not the most successful football movie in the entire world. And also on top of it, it had a whopping 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. So as we say in the... Ever gracious, I did not make these rankings podcast network. Fuck Rotten Tomatoes. There's actually a whole list of things that we say fuck it to, but Rotten Tomatoes is normally the first one because they don't seem to ever get shit right. Right. Uh, so, if you are ready to go, sir. I will definitely uh, I will definitely give this a shot. Uh, I, I must apologize to the dozens I have... Uh, anguished for days over this opening and uh, the, the synopsis is not where I want it to be because there's just uh, there's just not a whole lot to this to this story so uh, it's, uh, it's, I, it's I apologize it's a typical sports story but yeah um, whenever but, you're ready uh, as you're alright well uh, let me wet the pipes a bit and we will do the damn thing all right Time me, I should be under 30 seconds. Okay, on that note, hold my beer really quick. Uh, oh, fucking God. Everything freaking moved when I upgraded. I had to update my damn SIM card from Sprint to T-Mobile. All right, so whenever you're ready, you can go. In a bizarro world where the NCAA actually penalizes the proper team and the proper student-athletes, Dr. Samuel Beckett travels back in his own timeline to fix a football team again. The Texas State University armadillos fight for respect and just something that doesn't suck. It's Quantum Leap, the other football episode. 30 seconds on the freaking nose. Well, 30.16. I'll take it. Well, Round down for posterity. Outstanding. I'm all for it. So, yes, necessary roughness. What in the world can you say about football in a movie? 
besides the fact that it's realistically stupidly hilarious right right uh it it you know it, this so so there are, are are movies that are for people who played a sport right like varsity blues is really people who who play junior high and high school football especially in in places like Oklahoma or Texas where football's a religion um and if you're not from one of those places where town shuts down Friday night for a ball game you don't get it uh and, and I think necessary roughness is, is people who play football and, and definitely loved a team that is utterly terrible at some point well, I mean, realistically, the movie starts out with the fact that Texas State was one of those great. For lack of a better what, what they say at the beginning, two or three straight national titles. Yeah, I mean, they're like that movie's equivalent to probably Alabama. Well, it, and it's a dig at, at SMU, who got the death penalty in the eighties and had to start over. Yeah, they. I mean. SMU was literally gone from football for five years or so. And even and they haven't been relevant since. No, they haven't. And SMU was actually one of those decorated programs back when we were oh, yeah. cheering. And young, young cheering. Yeah. Oh, the days. Oh, how college football has changed since the days of yore. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm at that point in my life where I'm done with it being the same freaking people over and 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 over again because that's all it freaking is. It's Alabama. It's freaking Oregon and the freaking Pac-12. It's freaking... It's the same teams over and over again. And ultimately, from what it sounds like at the beginning of Necessary Roughness, that's basically where Texas State was. They were one of those decorated programs that gets their PP slap for recruiting violations and booster payouts and gifts and all that shit that you're not supposed to do in college college sports, but... Let's be honest. We all know what happens. I mean, obviously SMU got the death. I mean, it's not like they had one player. Well, yeah, because SMU got sanctioned three times in a decade. Their football program did, which is why they finally got the death penalty. But it's not like they had one player shoot another player over a botched drug deal. Oh, that was OU. Sorry, um, <laughs> can't wait for Amanda to hear that one. Um, I'm sure, she will be listening at some point while she's in New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I'm, I'm sure we'll get some colorful language uh, pointed my direction in the chat. I mean, fucking SMU got, has gotten their PP slap. Miami's gotten sanctioned. Freaking, you're not a high end football program in real life NC2A football unless you've been fucking sanctioned. Right, and and so many, and that's why I kind of made the dig at the NCAA of of finally getting the right people because those investigations take so long and they move so slowly that they quite often penalize people three, four, five years down the road. So they're literally penalizing kids. They weren't even the part of the program. Right. When this happened or something, it's even junior high when this happened. So 
that, that's why I had to throw that dig at the NCAA finally getting one right. I mean, it does happen. I mean, when the University of Washington got sanctioned back in the early 90s, it pretty much happened. I mean, it, it got found out in the middle of, I believe, the 90s. Oh, that one happened pretty much real time. I remember that one. It, it, was, it was pretty obvious. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, literally, it came out that Billy Joe Hobart took a loan from, uh, I believe it was a longshoreman. And ultimately, it ended up getting him benched for the rest of the year on ultimately going on to the NFL and getting his ass handed to him and becoming the laughing stock of Raider football. Um, it cost legendary Husky football coach Don James his fucking career. And they went through a period probably for the better part of 10 years until Chris Peterson came along where they had shit for freaking coaching. I mean, yeah, they had Ty Willingham for a couple of years, but yeah. I mean, the NC2A does get it right sometimes. Not very freaking well, yeah, often, yeah. they do. Uh, let's, let's not go down that road. But yeah, I mean, it's cost so many coaches their careers. I mean, Switzer, gone. Uh, Pat Jones at OSU, gone. Um, and... Uh, you know, some of the uh, Switzer was was basically persona non grata in in Norman for a good five ten years, and even longer for uh, uh, Pat Jones in Stillwater. and Stillwater. And I'm sure uh, the coach that you mentioned in, in Washington, same thing. You know, don't don't come back for a while. Um, it was probably I think five years before they added him. Eventually, ended up adding him to the Ring of Honor. Uh, you, you know, and I and I think that's appropriate. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, it's cost so many coaches their careers. Uh, but then you look at like Pete Carroll getting slapped after he left USC. Whoopie freaking do. He was already out the door and basically right. in basically freaking Seattle. Oh, they, they, they took Reggie Bush's trophies. Okay. The man still got paid. So, you know, that uh, was the one probably that pisses me off the most. Well, and it falls into the whole category of the NC2A not getting it right and not punishing anybody until after they were gone and out the fucking right. door. And, and saying, oh, you don't, your, your records are no longer existing. You don't get your trophy. We're taking it back. Okay. We'll be freaking do again. The man still got paid. Uh, so I don't know what Reggie's rookie contract was, but he was a first round draft pick and he got paid. Well, and everything he got paid while he was at SC, he didn't have to give that money back. So, yeah, um, no. Well, his parents got paid, but whatever. Um, I think you and I could could probably rip on the the NCAA all night long. Easily, because truth be told, even, there's a lot of room to work with. Even the couple of schools that we've even, and we haven't even ventured into the whole world of college basketball. Oh God, that's a cesspool. Which is almost as corrupt as college football, if not more corrupt than college football. And don't even get me started on what they did at Oklahoma State. Yeah, basketball wise, that was a crock of shit. See there, I'm going, I'm going. Let's change subjects. So anyway, so uh, necessary roughness. You have a aging farmer named Paul Blake who is recruited to come back to play college football and help save. 
Texas, the, the Texas State Armadillos because he never played college football and he still has four years of eligibility. I don't know how in the hell that would freaking work. Well, he never, no, they, they mentioned it in the movie. He never enrolled. Um, so so he, yeah, he was never a student athlete. So technically, yeah, he still has his four years of eligibility. Uh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he's still Richard too. So true. So technically, five years of eligibility. Yeah. But at the same time, and I don't remember what the, I think they said at one point in the movie how old he was. But I mean, we're talking like 35, 40 years old at the time, playing with 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. The handwriting is on the wall, people. Most 35, 40 year olds are not going to compete on a high level with people literally young enough to be their kids i don't know brandon whedon put up monster numbers at oklahoma state we, we won't discuss his pro career but he put up monster numbers at oklahoma state well i mean technically tom brady's still putting up well not this year but tom brady is over 40 and still technically a playoff caliber quarterback but yeah oh, that's because because the division is better. Trash. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of divisions in fo football that are trash right now. We won't go down that road either. But um, ultimately, um, Coach Gennaro, Coach Gennaro, and Coach Rigendorf are hired back to help restore Texas State's good name because of all the sanctions and the fact that all the players from the previous team got kicked off the team, got kicked out of school, all of that. So they've got to literally come in with no scholarships and none of it and build a football team to try and compete in. Ultimately it's classified as the state of Texas, but I'm, I'm guessing it would more be like, they're competing in the fictitious world of the big 12. Well, I, I think it's uh, the old Southwest conference, which was, it's kind of supposed to mirror the old Southwest conference, which was all completely in the state of Texas. Well, yeah, um, I mean, they have the one game at the end where they play Kansas. Yeah. Um, Fuck Kansas. Well, Kansas is almost a freaking joke of a football program anyway, but. Oh, they're absolutely a joke of a football team. It's a basketball school. Yeah, no, I, there are certain programs, Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, whatever, yep. great basketball programs, but they suck at football. And the same can be said for there's a wealth of other colleges that are great football co programs, but when it comes to basketball, they suck a big fat donkey dick. Yep. So they have to build a team from scratch with literally nothing but student athletes they end up literally building like a 17 man team. So both. So the team literally, if they're going to play the season out is going to have to play both ways. And for those of you who don't know, that means players are going to have to play offense and mostly defense and special teams. Right. And you have all the hijinks and side plots that go along with the fact that you've got, um, Scott Bakula, Paul, Bo 
public is in a journalism class and he ends up falling in love with the teacher and flirting shenanigans aside come to find out she was um dating the quarterback from paul's rival school mm-hmm. when that he curb stomped in the state championship game i believe her exact words were you decimated my boyfriend in the championship game and ultimately they end up dating you have the whole side story with the dean of the school and him being a stick up the ass hardcore academic colleges are all about academics and sports have no business in academia where well you know what a lot of colleges sports are what fund a lot of people's salaries that work at that college so he can get over himself with this freaking little hoity-toity attitude yeah, that's the thing that drives most people complain about that. What they what they don't get is most colleges the athletic department budget is separate. It's not pulling away from anybody else. And when you're at a major college, right? Yeah. The athletic department is helping fund other things. Yeah. Uh, OU's athletic department is constantly in a surplus, so they 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 fund other things at the school. Well, yeah, can you also uh, they're literally mass mar- or mass producing equipment for the team, plane tickets for games, all of that crap. And yet they still have a wealth of freaking money that they can just here. The band needs some money here, have a couple grand. Yep. 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, whatever you help, whatever the hell you need. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of plot twists and whatnot. And for the most part, I really honestly, for the fact that it's not like we said before, a completely a list cast. I mean, at the time, I think Scott Bakula probably had, one of the top names out of everybody in the movie. Well, it's it's a cast that's full of that guys. People that you've seen elsewhere. Well, um well yeah, because I mean like even like Sinbad was the this Sinbad was hot at that point. Yeah, he um, was one of the top comedians out on the road. He was just coming off of all the success that a different world had on TV. He, I mean, he was obviously no Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, some of the A-list comedians like that, but he had HBO specials. He had Showtime specials. He had a sitcom on TV, albeit produced by Cosby, which was probably a lot of the reason for the success at the time. But either way, he had a steady job. He had a very lucrative, fairly lucrative comedy career. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I, as did Larry Miller. Larry Miller was hot at that point. Uh, Larry Miller did a lot of stand up for, again, the, the, the cable networks. Uh, very funny man. Because um, this is, like we said, 90, what, one? 91, yeah. So probably filmed in, in 90, early 91. Um, yeah, it, 
it's a great cast. Yeah, it's not an A-list cast, but it's a cast full of names that that if you're a movie person or a TV person, you should recognize. Okay, um, well, prime example, the freaking rich golden spoon in his mouth, freaking some of my bitch, um, Edison. Mm-hmm. For one, was on Little House on the Prairie as a kid. Had a fairly successful run on the Hogan family. Was a part of Silver Spoons. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, after all of that and then Necessary Roughness, he disappeared for a while and came back and starred on Arrested Development. He starred on Ozark. Mm-hmm. Jason Bateman is, I mean, he may not necessarily be the, like I said, most A-list celebrity, but he's got stuff out there and he's constantly working. Oh, sure. Um, it. Uh, no, Jason Bateman is is great in that movie. Um, well, he plays the uber snobby, hoity-toity, preppy very well. Yeah, he he does. Um, he doesn't really even have a whole big ass part of the movie until the end of the movie. When okay, so spoiler alert: it, it's been thirty years. If you haven't seen the movie, too freaking bad. Shame on you. But so I, I believe you're looking at like a 10 game schedule for Texas state, Texas state goes on an eight game losing streak to start the damn season and literally is decimated each and every week. Hands down, ass handed to him like there's no tomorrow. Finally, they happen to luck into finding a kicker for their team because they haven't had a kicker all year, but it happens to be supermodel Kathy Ireland. Yeah. Oh, sorry. At, the, at the time, Kathy Ireland was one of the top probably two or three spank bank memories for almost every Generation X male and probably some females too on top of it. I don't know. Right. But um, they find a way to gel together as a team and keep it close until the end and they end up tying Kansas on a field goal that she ends up kicking the way their season's going. They celebrate it as if they just won the fucking national championship. The boosters start coming out of the woodwork and all the shenanigans start all over. They start giving out suit coats and all of that. And what it boils down to is there's a big, my dick's better, bigger than yours between the head coach and Paul, the quarterback. And he ends up quitting the team. And as he's quitting the team, Jason Bateman's character runs up alongside the Jeep and jumps in. And he's like, I'm going with you. And he's like, on the way out, he's like, well, what the fuck's going on? You got midterms next week. And he's all like, yeah, but um, what do you think is going to happen when my dad finds out that I'm failing all these courses? He's just going to pay for somebody else to take my midterms for me. And you know what that'll do? Again, another thing that the NC2A frowns upon is students having to get by on their grades with no actual effort. So they end up freaking, as Paul puts it, well, how the fuck did I end up with Jiminy Cricket in the Jeep? Ends up turning around, going back, hooking him up with Sinbad, who, again, like Paul, 
is actually out of school. He's a teacher at Texas State now. But he still has a year left of eligibility. So he's become part of the team. And he works with Edison to get his grade up. He ends up passing. And then Paul gets back on the team and leads the team into the final game of the season against their heated rival. um, The Texas by God Colts. Seriously, whoever wrote this damn movie, could you not have come up with a better freaking team name than the Texas Colts? I mean, why not just fucking call them the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, well, I mean, at least it's not the Houston Texans. Well, and even like at the time, Dallas Cowboys would have made more sense. That was back when they were actually winning Super Bowls. No offense, Jen. Okay, a lot of offense, Jen. We don't like the Dallas Cowboys on an evening at the movies. Wait, ninety one? Were they were they still bad then? I that I think that was right. Well, okay, they won their first of two in a row in ninety three, ninety two or ninety three. Because y'all, I remember it being uh, the Giants had the Buffalo Bill miss field goal super bowl win oh yeah yeah buffalo had the redskin blowout where they got their ass handed to him and then you had the two buffalo dallas super bowls in a row where dallas beat the crap out of them both times and then they took a year off and then switzer came in and freaking won a damn super bowl with them for somebody who doesn't like the dallas cowboys i seem to know a lot about their last four super bowls I mean, with that roster, I think I could have won the Super Bowl. How can you not? It's freaking Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, uh, Novacek. Darren Woodson. Darren uh, Woodson, freaking. And I'm not even – I'm still on the offensive side of the ball. Well, well dude, I was going to the defense, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Deion Sanders, Coach yeah. Prime. Oh, fuck that guy. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think my nephew probably could have head coached that football team to a Super Bowl. I mean, I don't necessarily classify Aikman as a top 10 all-time quarterback, but he had, for lack of a better term, a great career. Emmett Smith, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, I yeah no my, Michael Irvin was a stud Novacek was a stud um, that whole offensive line probably the only offensive line in NFL history that you could put close to the Hogs yeah no uh, I'm seriously behind that offensive line I probably could have dropped back at quarterback and freaking had a mediocre football career uh could you imagine um what Barry Sanders could have done behind that line. Could you imagine Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith on the same team? I, there wouldn't be enough footballs, put it this way, for those. If you add that kind of talent to that team. But You're never throwing. You're never throwing the ball. It just, Hell uh, no. uh, might as well have one of them lined up at quarterback because you're never throwing the ball. Yeah. Well, and then it boils down to now you got to piss off Michael Irvin because he ain't getting no catches. 
I mean, you, you got to remember at one point that both uh, Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders were at Oklahoma State together. Yeah. And, and can you imagine trying to tell one of them to hit the bench? I wouldn't. I'd be staying up all fucking night trying to put together an offensive scheme where you can have and have both men in the backfield and have your offense thrive at the same time. But I mean, it, yeah, no, it would be a pain in the ass to try and pull that off. Wow. I could not imagine. And Thurman Thomas is not a horrible running back either. No, no. No, I mean, you look at what he did. Obviously, the majority of his uber success in his career was those four years that Buffalo went to the Super Bowl in a row. Yeah, but you got to remember, he's racking up stupid rushing yards in a pass-happy offense. Yeah. The the, the K-gun was meant to be a pass-happy offense, and still Thurman was, was racking up insane uh, number of yards on the ground. He wasn't putting up Barry numbers, but nobody else was either no god no fucking barry was <clears throat> i would honestly say once i finally started watching football as a kid barry sanders is probably the greatest running back that i've ever seen run the football and yeah, i would probably put him ahead of emmett smith and i've seen emmett smith run the football too and emmett smith is fucking great some of the guys today are freaking great, but at the same time, football today is not what football was when we were kids. It was dirty. It was rough. You didn't have all the ticky-tack little freaking shit that people have now with concussion protocols. and Yeah, but it's, and, yeah, it's safer. It's made the game safer, yes. I will say that. 100%. And truth be told, the stats are overwhelmingly against the NFL back when we were kids being safe. But if you want, if you wanted to watch football for the hits and the collisions and all that, yeah, you think you get that now? You really got that in the 80s and 90s. A receiver going across the middle. quarterback throws the ball over his head he stretches out and all of a sudden bam a freaking 250 pound linebacker comes screaming across the middle shoulder pad helmet right in the freaking ribs mm. yeah no and i still come back to the joe theisman broken leg thing right every time i see somebody run a flea flicker that's what plays in my head yeah um lawrence taylor is one yeah. of the biggest badasses i've ever seen play football and that, oh, and it wasn't a cheap shot by LT, right? I mean, he no, wasn't at all. He wasn't trying to injure Theismann. It's In fact, he went down. LT was the first guy to make to, to start calling over, you know, help because he saw what happened to Theismann's leg. Um, and, and I mean, LT was probably coked up at the time, but he wasn't a dirty <laughs> player. Oh, I can almost guarantee you he was coked up. But he, I've even seen interviews where he even talked about the fact that. That hit and what I saw after that hit screwed me up for a long, long time after. And that a lot of that could play into the fact that why he freaking had to heavily medicate himself for so freaking long. 
I don't I don't doubt that. I mean, you can't be a human being and see that injury and not wince or or, or get queasy or throw up or whatever. You know, I, I remember several years ago, um, in the first round of the NCAA, or maybe it was further into the NCAA basketball tournament, when the Louisville player broke his leg against, I want to say it was against Duke. Yeah. When the Louisville player broke his leg, and you see a guy on the bench just lose his lunch right then and there. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly which one you're talking about. It. You know that's a human reaction, and if you you see an injury like that and you don't have nightmares from it, there's something fucking wrong with you. Yeah, I it it's even came up this year in like the fantasy football league that I'm competing in, where um I've talked to a couple of the guys in the league, and I was like, I hate certain players. Okay, even prime example, freaking Russ when he left Seattle back in March. I was not, you remember the day that that happened. Yep. Yep. I was freaking livid. And I mean, what we got for him. Yeah. Was a little bit of a soothing remedy, but at the same time, it's still losing Russell Wilson was a big, hold on, hold on. on. What the Seahawks had got for him was highway fucking robbery. Oh yeah, it was. And the fact that I seriously read an article yesterday where evidently Denver has been in contact with Peyton Manning to ask if he has any um, idea about possibly wanting to be a head coach in the NFL. Denver is literally grasping at straws right now. And you know who they have to thank for that shit? Russell fucking Wilson. And themselves because they gave up the fucking farm. Well, and I, and I think it, 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 you and I, we, we discussed this uh, early in the season when the Broncos first started to really, really struggle. Suck? Is, yes. Um, is, is and, and no offense to Russell Wilson, right? He's got an MVP. He's got a Walter Payton Award, which which I think is the most prestigious award in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's got, you know, a Super Bowl ring, right? So he's he's had a career, right? And, mm-hmm. and his deep ball, his the moon ball, is still one of the most effortless prettiest things I have ever seen. And I've been saying this is the first time I saw him play in college, the way he uncorks that deep ball. Yeah. That's a thing of beauty. But the problem is the man's a system quarterback and he's 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 a more athletic Drew Brees, right? You have to give him the right passing lanes. You have to get him outside of the pocket. You have to give him timing throws because he's too damn short. Yeah. No, he's not going to stand in the pocket and Denver between the line being bad and the offense not being suited to him, Denver set him up to fail. And I'm not saying none of it's his fault, right? Because he has definitely digressed and he has made some stupid decisions throwing the ball this year. Yeah. But that would have been like Drew Brees going to the Saints and um, Bill Parcells bringing in the same offense that he used for Jeff Hostetler. They're not the same quarterback. You can't do that. Um, and so you've got to have a, a coach that's willing to tailor the offense to the personnel. Yeah, and unfortunately, when you sell the fucking farm to bring in a high-dollar quarterback and then sign him to a $245 million extension. Guaranteed deal, yeah. 
I think I read let if they if they release him next year, it's like a hundred seven million dollar cap hit. Yeah. So they um, won't be able to sign anybody ever. Um, no, they really can't. And and they do that. And I don't blame a player. I'm sorry. If, if an employer comes up to me and says, I'm going to give you this much money for this much time guaranteed. I'm not going to say no. Well, no, because different sport. But I remember the same kind of thing happened when Alex Rodriguez left Seattle and went to the Texas Rangers and signed a 10 year, $250 million contract. It's like, damn it. He was one of the good up and coming players at the time. And you can't help, but feel like what the hell. But then at the same time, it's like, you're hamstringing a team when you fleece them for that kind of fucking money, because now they're not gonna be able to go out and put the pieces around you. So he played for four or five years before Texas finally had to cut their damn losses and send him off to freaking New York where they could afford whatever. Right. So, yes, football is great. And let's be honest, football movie, football movies based in the state of Texas are even more great. I mean, I we could probably do a simplest episode on great football movies based in the state of Texas and probably yeah. not have too much overlap. Probably a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Actually there's going to be a lot of overlap, but I think where we're going to place things is going to be different. Cause I'm going to put North Dallas 40 at about seventh. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. And I, I can guarantee you, that your best friend, the killer, I know what her number one movie would be. Varsity Blues. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, we should do that one for for a episode or this episode, but uh, uh, even to get to the movies because I I love that movie. I love that soundtrack. It is. Um, that movie, I honest to God was not expecting a high school football movie to be as impactful as that fucking movie was. And a lot of it it, it, stuff you get from like the program or even this movie, necessary roughness, but because it, it, it hits as hard as Friday night lights without being as uncomfortable as Friday night lights. There are parts in Friday night lights that I don't ever want to see again because it's like, okay, we get it. The parents a piece of shit. Can we move on, please? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When I first heard that Tim McGraw was gonna be in that movie, I was like, the fuck are you doing freaking acting in a movie? I'm not gonna lie. I don't think he was a perfect actor in that role, but he definitely pleasantly surprised me in that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a pure, unadulterated dick until the final scene. But I digress. We're not talking about Friday Night Lights, but either way. So, um, is there any memorable parts of Necessary Roughness you want to get to before we get to our reviews? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the coaches, especially Robert Loja, reminds me of my freshman football coach. It's like, oh, yeah. it's almost like Coach Gwynn, my freshman coach. 
was like the technical advisor for Robert Loggia. I swear to God. Um, because so many of the things, especially the halftime speech, my God, the halftime speech. Um, halftime, not pregame. No, the the the, the pregame was horrible. Uh, but but you know, and I, I'm just gonna read it. I'm just gonna read it. Uh, you know how to way to play winning hard nosed football. You play football like Ed Gennaro, who's the head coach. For those of you that don't know. Like Ed Gennaro played football, a guy who gave his life for this football team. He was a 140-pound halfback, and he played like a goddamn wild man. No, like a goddamn rampaging beast. And that's the way you got to do it. You go out there, you tear their fucking heads off, and you shit down their necks. Let yeah. us pray. Yeah, literally. There wasn't even a pause in between that. It was literally, you rip their heads off and shit down their necks. Let us pray. <laughs> right? And it just... That never I... dawned on me until I rewatched that mo- the movie for this episode, and I'm like, dude, he literally just followed off the, one of uh, an amazingly brutal rant immediately with "Let us pray." And, and that is somebody who has been around Oklahoma and, and Texas football. Um, the, the I'm gonna lie to these motherfuckers, and then we're gonna pray together. And you notice how fast the team freaking all vacuumed in around him and got down on a freaking knee. It's all like, and they were all down there ready to go. And then all of a sudden, after that amazing rant, guess what happens? Being down 21 to nothing, they end up coming back and fucking winning the damn game. Surprise, surprise. Spoiler alert. Right. Uh, again, 30-year-old movie. Get fucked if you don't know. Um, Rob Schneider, who I don't always find funny, is great in this movie. It's like he's the the spiritual successor or or, or the, the, the grand kid of Bob Euchre's character in Major League. Yes, exactly. Ironic, both of these movies honestly came out, I don't, I don't remember exactly when Major League came out, but it, it, it was within a year or two of each other. Right. So, them developing that character in that fashion could have very well easily been a, ooh, Bob Euchre did this with that and all that, and it was but, but still while keeping with the the Rob Schneider uh, SNL shtick, fumble, fumbleaya, fumble Ruski, <laughs> Sergeant Fumbleaya Wilkins and fumbles the ball. Yeah, uh, yeah. It uh... Rob is definitely one of those comedians that. If you if that's not your style of humor, it's very hard to get behind. But he played the part of the solo commentator very well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the uh, so many great lines from from the movie. Uh, although I I must go back memorable parts. The convict football scene. Oh God! Just the who's who of stars playing on the convict team not even former football players either well go because evander holyfield's in there and, and, and the guy who's in the computer fraud line who who is an actor that's been a stuntman on all sorts of things or was a stuntman on all sorts of things um but just you, you see all those football players stepping off the bus and it's like a who's who it's like, freaking it's like watching the 90s pro bowl intro yeah i mean jim kelly 
uh, Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, Dick Buttkiss. Oh, God. Um, Too Tall Jones. Too Tall Jones. Freaking. It was an end-all, be-all of badass freaking football players. And the little bit of a scrimmage that they had, they literally beat Texas State's ass into the freaking ground. Right. And guards shoot the damn gun. They get back on the freaking bus and they go home. After Evander Holyfield admits that he doesn't feel good, he thinks he might have ate somebody's finger. Right, right. Ironically, and, and that is because Mike Tyson bit his ear off. Right. Butkus's bit about having a spirited scrimmage or something beforehand was just so beautiful. Um, because Butkus is not known for his eloquence, although he was way smarter. He's way smart people you can credit for. Um, just that bit of eloquence. And then at the end of the movie, as they're in the stands and they stand up and tell the Colts fans to shut up, was was great. And literally like 5,000 fans, literally just all in unison, sit down. Just shut up. Yeah, it, it was great. Um, so that, that whole scene uh, is beautiful. And I think, honestly, that was an homage to another great uh, football movie, The Longest Yard. Yeah. Um, Nothing against the remake, but the original OG will always be my favorite. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed the remake for the fact that they actually taught those guys how to play football and, and Sandler actually hired Sean Salisbury to teach him how to play quarterback and like yeah. make reads and run an offense. Uh, so, so I appreciate that for the genuineness and I, and I appreciate that one for uh, sticking through to the original while taking risks that most people wouldn't have. Like at that point in his career, nobody, most people wouldn't have had the, the balls to kill off Chris Rock. Whoops. Spoiler. Um, Again, okay, 25-year-old or 22-year-old, however old. If you haven't seen the freaking remake, fooey on you people. I love my listeners to death, but come on, people, catch up. Right? Um, and, and, and the, yeah, the, the convict scene and the, is there a requirement that Football movies have to have bar fights. Think about it. Obviously, there must be because Varsity Blues has one. Varsity Blues has one. Necessary Roughness has one. The program has one. Replacements has one. Replacements has a great one. I love the replacements. So, we need to talk to Amanda about doing a fucking top five football movies. Top five football movies. Maybe we can talk her into doing that after somebody shits the bed and wins the freaking college football playoff. <clears throat> I'll get I'm hoping for, for TCU and Michigan just to break the whole system. I'm not going to lie. There's part of my brain right now that for marketability, if I'm the NC2A right now, I'm hoping to God that Michigan and Ohio state pull off wins on Saturday. And for sure you end up getting Michigan and Ohio state part two, because the markability on that matchup alone is going to freaking make them millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars, if not even billions. Um, but at the same time, I would really love to see somebody get stuck with the number four seed and be 
a smaller school like TCU just come out of nowhere and freaking shock the world, beat Michigan, and then beat either Georgia or Ohio State and win the whole fucking thing before it expands. Right, for sure. Once you get to expansion, then all bets are off because now you're looking at a two- or three-round playoff system and injuries can happen, and as we all know, I've seen numerous times where a dominant team all season long in the NFL goes into the playoffs, number one, and they get their bye, and then they crap the bed in the first, in the second round because yep. they sat players for too long to try and keep them healthy or somebody got hurt, whatever the case. You're Philadelphia Eagles right now, prime example. I won't, we won't go down that road though. No, no. Well, I, 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 I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Uh, Philly is going to clinch the NFC East and the number one seed on Sunday, on on January 1st. And and I think that they will make it to the NFC Championship game. After that, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I actually wanted to ask you about that one, too, before we wrapped up, because... At this point, I don't as long if they if they don't win this week, please God let them win next week because I swear to God, if Dallas finds a way to back their asses into the number one seed in the freaking damn NFC, which is still mathematically possible. Yep. I'm gonna freaking come unglued. That is the absolute last thing in the world I want to see because you know good and hell well as soon as it happens. We're going to be getting freaking lambasted with freaking ha 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 messages from Gene. Well, and not to mention all those we dim boys people are going to wake the fuck back up. I hate them. Especially considering, and I'm not trying to be a legitimate hater. Oh, I am. These realistically, yeah, I truly am probably. But if it wasn't for the fact that they've literally, oh, since what, 95? Only one, one playoff game, two playoff two, games? two playoff games, and they, but yet they go every freaking year. No, they don't. They they had multiple years of seven and nine. L- literally they go it, every fucking year. I, I I think since their last, so from from nineteen ninety five until about three years ago is the last time I looked at the numbers for that entire period. They were a 500 ball club. Yeah, their life after Emmett and Troy and all those guys was not good. If you look at the top five or top ten winningest teams of the 21st century so far, they're not on the list. Philly is. The Pats are. Pretty sure the Seahawks are. The Cowboys aren't. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. And... I'm not trying to be – I really am not trying to be a homer here, but the amount of wins that Pete Carroll has put together in his run with the Seahawks is – I honestly, I did not think it was going to happen. We had a little bit of a lull in between Pete Carroll and Mike Holmgren with Jim Mora, but between Mora and – or not Mora – Holmgren and Pete Carroll in the 21st century. 
we're a nine or a ten win team almost every fucking year. Yep. We don't necessarily have the trophies that the Patriots have, or okay, let's be honest, the Patriots have, but we're competitive for the majority of the 21st century until we drafted Russell Wilson and went to two Super Bowls and won one. So, but yeah, I realistically would not have thought that they were a 500 team for the majority of the 21st century, though. It seems like they went Okay, maybe it was only a few years that they went on runs where they were like fifteen and one and the best team in football, and then lost in the second round. I don't know. Well, but you got to remember that that division is the most uh, has the most parity. Good, it really is not good. Well, but but even so, even but on years that it's not good, everybody's not good. And years that it's good, everybody's good. And they haven't had a repeat champion since the last time Philly did it in, I don't know, like 1870-something. Well, and here's the other side of that coin, though, too. I mean, to nail your point home, up until, what, a week or two ago? Mm-hmm. That was a very real possibility, thank you, Seattle, for giving this to the NFC East, that all four teams in that division could have made it into – the playoffs. Yep. I don't think I have ever seen that happen in my entire life. I mean, I'm not going to go back and research it to find out if not, but I mean, the fact that all four teams in a division go to the playoffs, come on. Uh, I think I remember years where the NFC East sent three. I can't ever remember somebody sending four. This year has just been a weird year for football. I mean, the possibility that all four teams in the East could have gone, the possibility that Tom Brady could have gone and hosted a playoff game with a losing record. Again, thank you, Seattle, for allowing that to happen. I mean, and don't get me started on the freaking AFC right now. Oh, my God. Uh, Tampa may still host a playoff game with a losing record. If they win the division, Carolina still has a shot at coming up and biting their ass. So do the Saints. At 6-9, and nine, the Saints are not eliminated mathematically. No, the only team in that division that is mathematically eliminated is Atlanta. Yeah, and they're only one game behind that at 5-10. and 10. Yeah, There's a lot of not great divisions in football this year i'm sorry i'm not trying to no fuck it i am trying to poo poo on the nfl for this i mean fuck obviously the nfc west is not anywhere near what they thought it was i mean they thought it was going to be a three-team race between la arizona and san francisco didn't happen and it's basically was a two-team race between seattle and san francisco the freaking nfc east Okay, we had the four-team thing already. The freaking south, not great. The north, Aaron Rodgers, need I say more? 
that motherfucker needs to hang it up and retire. He's done. Or get a haircut. Either way, I don't. I don't care. Um, and shave and, his soul patch. They're they're not eliminated either. No. No, I. I love the fact that the lions are still in it. That is a team. I don't know if you've watched the lions play this year, but we played the uh, lions this year. Actually, so did Philly, and Philly beat them barely in week one. Um, and I, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think if the if the if the lions can squeak into the seven seed, they might break somebody's heart. Well, yeah, because I do know that they were talking on, I don't remember if it was Fox or ESPN a couple weeks ago, but there's a couple teams right now that if they make it into the playoffs, some of these teams like Philly aren't going to want to freaking see them in the playoffs at all. One of them was Detroit Mm -hmm. because they're so unpredictable and so freaking hot right now. Um, I think at the time Carolina was still – close to being in contention and they were one of those teams that was included in that list because again no they were one of those teams that nobody gives them a shot in hell right but yet they will jump up there and because of the fact they're getting no respect they will kick you in the dick and move on to the next round and you'll be stuck at home watching so and and think about it if the if the jags clinch the afc south Call me a homer, but don't count out Doug Peterson of the playoffs. No. Yeah, big-time homer. Doug Peterson graduated high school from the state – a school in Washington State. I did not know that. Yeah. I actually lived in the same town that as the high school that he went to for a little while. I, uh, Ferndale High School. Home I'm of the a Golden big Eagles. Doug Peterson fan. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. And then the Nick Fold thing all went. Well, it was the Carson Wentz thing. Everything went kind of for Philly. Yeah. So, um, getting back on track really quick, though. Um, ultimately, what's your thoughts on the movie as a whole in the grand scheme of things? So I I love this movie. This this movie is timeless. Um, yeah, the the gear is outdated, but it, it's it's a formulaic sports story. It's a feel good movie. It's like I said, like I said early on, it it's really I think the intended audience is people who either grew up in a football crazy town or maybe played some football or a little combination of the two, uh, because it's kind of a love letter to fans of of bad teams, or or fans of teams who have had bad years um or a lot I, of bad years that too and, and i enjoy the hell out of it. i rewatched it the first for the first time in years uh yesterday uh full rim watch uh and um pen pending 2022 uh <laughs> and and again loved every minute of it there were there was no wasted moments in that movie uh, the pacing is great. The action scenes are great. Uh, it's really crisp action-wise for a low-budget movie. Yeah, it's done really, really well. Like I said, um, it's a thirteen million-dollar budget. It, it, 
the none of the jokes are dated, right? The the the, the football gear is old because it's from the nineties. But honestly, this movie could have been made last week because it still works. And you um, word for word the same fucking script. Absolutely. Maybe update a couple of jokes because they they reference things that happened in the past. Yeah, so you'd have to change the joke about uh, the quarterback being alive when the Beatles Beatles were still together. That's it. That's all the only line in the entire movie you probably have to change. Yeah, okay, because yeah, for a quarterback to be alive when the Beatles were still together now, I mean, you're having to literally approach being 50 years old, and there's no way in hell a 50-year-old quarterback is going to play with kids young enough to be his grandchild. Right, right. So are we, uh, let me know when you're ready for my ranking or my rating. Do we have a typical Pop Palpatine ranking for this movie? Oh, we do. Oh, this we this might make it into my top three. Oh, I'm intrigued. Go ahead and enlighten us with your ranking for the movie, sir. Um, so for nostalgia's sake and the fact that it's a, a sports movie, which gets its own scale because sports movies are even more formulaic than something from Disney. Um, I, I'm going to rate it higher than I would a lot of other movies. So uh, I'm going to give this movie four gun racks and open beverage containers, which is only legal in Texas. <laughs> uh, that is definitely getting into your top three rankings. It still does not beat one plus one plus two plus one. I don't think anything will ever beat that one. Um, that one was no. that. That's a Hall of Famer. That's a that, first ballot Hall of Famer. That's a Hall of Fame ballot before it even retires. It was that, right. and the fact that that literally came out of nowhere. Amanda and I had no idea. That. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm going to give it one plus two plus two. Plus, but it's like, oh my freaking god! <laughs> it was classic. If you guys have not listened to the Clue episode, I highly recommend you go do it. It is that was one of probably one of my top five favorite episodes of all time, and I've recorded over 108 episodes of the show. So, go figure. So, good ranking. Um, again, for the same, a lot of the same reasons that you said, I love this movie. It's funny. It stands up to the test of time. For the most part, there isn't really a horrible performance per se in the entire movie um i'm honestly going to give it i'm going to go a little bit off kilter with mine and i'm not going to go four and out of five but i'm going to give it 88 stars because that's the number on the jersey on the dummy at the beginning of the movie and Charlie Banks was wearing at the end of the movie when Paul threw the two-point conversion pass into the end zone that ended up beating the Texas Colts. So. that That's a great one. Uh, that's a great one. Uh, not as good and, as freaking four gun racks and a freaking... <laughs> not going to lie, I totally did not get that as a kid until literally just this last week or so when I rewatched it and it's like oh my god I get every beat of that joke now 
and the fact that Texas, yeah, it makes perfect sense. It, it, uh, that joke was totally accurate at the time. Yeah. No, um, the open container was not a real big, huge thing until probably the late last part of the 90s. I don't think they banned it until like 10 years ago. Real, I know other states in the country had, but go figure. Yeah. I remember yeah. being a kid where there were states in the country where the legal drinking age was 18. I don't remember that. There wasn't very many of them, but Idaho was one of the last states to make the legal drinking age 21. So besides the fact that we went all over kingdom come and around the barn and back again. And well, I, I do have to ask for, yeah. for, for a moment. Uh, Cause I, I, I realized something. Do you think uh, Boise state used this movie as encouragement for a fuck it. Let's go for the win in the Fiesta Bowl. Oh, Amanda's going to hate you for bringing that up. But it's the same. I mean, I'm one of those people that, depending upon the situation, and the going back to the, what was it, 2004, 2005 Fiesta Bowl? Something like that. The way Oklahoma and Boise State had gone back and forth, the last thing I would have wanted to do if I was Chris Peterson and I was coaching that team was kick the point after and try and play another overtime. Oh, no, I absolutely. Uh, <laughs> as, as a fan of the game, that is one of the greatest games I have ever watched. And I, I remember at halftime as, as Boise is up by 20, I think 2021. Yeah. But my, my brother, the diehard OU fan was like, we're turning this shit off. And I'm like, Oh no, we're not. And then, and then Paul Thompson went on, in the second half and brought the team back. It, and then it just became a game of, of grass basketball in the fourth quarter where nobody can stop anybody. So Chris Peterson going for the win makes complete sense. Yeah, because ultimately at that point, if they'd gone to another overtime, there's no telling when Boise State's luck was going to run out. Yeah. They owed to Amanda's favorite college but Boise State realistically had no business being in that game. And Oklahoma should have beat their ass into the ground handily. But that's why you play the games and why you're not playing it on paper because heart cannot be measured on paper. And right at that time, on that night, Boise State had more heart than Oklahoma, and if Amanda doesn't like it, then I don't know what to tell you, kid. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm waiting for uh, for Amanda to listen to this episode because there's going to be several several fuck you moments coming from from Killer, and well, uh, I'm sure we're both going to get messed. Well, it'll all probably come in the group chat, as it should. But there will be what the fuck, fuck yous, eat shit. <laughs> So much love. So so much love. We 
We love you, Amanda. It made it we, better we, would have been if we could have had this conversation with her here live with us, but evidently it's more fun to be in New York City with your husband. Yeah, I I would be in NYC too. Uh, not even a lie. So, but yeah, it, that's great. So, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, I don't want to keep everybody any longer than we absolutely have to. And I know we all have football games to watch now because it's Saturday morning and we're just hours away from kickoff. And hopefully, really quick before we get out of here, your ultimate final prediction for who wins it all. Who get who gets out of Saturday's games and then ultimately who wins it all? Uh What are the matchups again? Remind me. Georgia versus Ohio State. Okay. And Michigan versus TCU. Oh, that one breaks my heart. Um so I, I think I Georgia's unstoppable, but then again, they also haven't been tested. I, I think if if Ohio State can keep the game close uh and lowish scoring, uh they've got a chance. But honestly, my my head's telling me Georgia. Um in that matchup, TCU, I, I, I want to make the Homer Big 12 pick. I really do. And TCU keeps on finding ways to win. But I think Michigan is so angry from last year's BCS. BCS. Playoff game. Um, it's all a bunch of BCS, in my opinion. But Absolutely. You could just drop the C out of it. Um, uh-huh. I, I, think, I think Michigan is just too well coached at this point too hungry and too angry. So I think we're going to see Georgia and Michigan in the championship. Uh, and I want to see a Michigan win because I'm fucking tired of the SEC. Plus, um, Hail to the Victors is one of the greatest fight songs of all time. It really is. And the only reason I can't stand Michigan, honestly, truth be told, is I can't stand Jim Harbaugh. That's fair. And that isn't necessarily a Michigan thing. That boils down to his tenure in San Francisco coaching the 49ers. So it is what it is. And But at the same time, I'm also not dumb. I know unless the football gods shine upon us with another Oklahoma-Boise State game, Michigan's going to beat the crap out of TCU. There's... Like you said, they're too pissed off and too hungry. It The only thing Michigan has to fear at this point is them showing up unprepared and thinking they're just going to freaking cakewalk into the damn national championship or even when the even when they get to the national championship. I mean, TCU in the right environment could shock the world. I don't think it's going to happen, but they could. Absolutely. TCU has got no quit and they just find ways to get shit done. Yeah. And then even if Michigan does more than likely get by TCU, it's not going to be an easy road in the championship, no matter who comes out of the Georgia Ohio state game. Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) Cause I can guarantee you if Ohio state comes out, they are not going to freaking crap the bed like they did in during rivalry week. 
Yeah, they're not going to give up 170-something yards on two plays. No. I, I don't know what the hell fucking Ohio State did in that game, but that fourth quarter was a bunch of crap. So I'm – I'll probably go ahead and pick Michigan only because I'm – I don't think TCU has anything for them. I will go the other direction with the other matchup, and I will – probably go Ohio State just because the NC2A is to college football what the NFL is to pro football. They get what they freaking want and it normally has to be the big market or the big money matchup. So either way, I if it is, it is. If it's not, it's not. But um, I don't know if I can pick a winner between Michigan and Ohio State though. Because at that point, you're going to have two incredibly pissed off, hungry teams that want to win that game. That would be the one time that I think, and I'm going to be a smart ass by saying this, but I could see 57 overtimes and literally the players collapse on the field from exhaustion because they can't play anymore because they played so much. But then now watch one of the two of them would win 63 to nothing or something stupid like that because that's how i go that's when i pick football games that's how it works so unfortunately i picked ohio state so ohio state's probably going to get blown out by georgia now and nothing against georgia georgia's a great team but again like you sec needs to go bye-bye really freaking quick and unfortunately i don't see it happening anytime soon yeah me neither I mean, I, I don't want them to leave. I just want them to not win a championship every once in a while. Well, there are other conferences in college football. I mean, yeah, granted, the majority of the conferences that are going to get the notoriety are going to be your Big 12, the Big 10, SEC, Pac-12, for the most part. The other schools really logistic, realistically don't have a shot in hell. Maybe when they expand, but at the same time, I'm not going to hold my breath. Because whenever you have a tournament-style matchup and you see it every year with basketball, there's always going to be somebody left on the outside being pissed off because they didn't make it in. Sure. But there's a difference between you're not one of the 68 and you're not one of the four. Especially when the – there's a very real possibility that you can have five or six teams all with like a 10 and one record. Right. But I, I think this year they got it absolutely right. Yes. I, I will 100% agree with that. Um, the argument could be made against TCU, but at the same time they won the damn games, let them play. It's always they won the games. They won the conference. And they beat Oklahoma. They beat OSU. Um, and and they survived a tough schedule. Am, am I saying that they need to be on the same conversation as Georgia or, or somebody else that had a tougher schedule? Absolutely not. But um, I don't think once you get past the top, the top three, right, regardless of what order you put them in, uh, yeah. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, 
um, at this none point, of the other three, conference oh, champions or runner runners up in the conference hold a candle. No, because I mean, you look at even like the Pac-12, Oregon won, but who did Oregon lose to in Week One of the f- football season? Georgia by a lot. And what? Yeah, no, it wasn't even close. And they so, had what three, two, three losses. Four, I think. The Pac- yeah, so they're, they're out. Not great by any stretch of the event. Outside of freaking, I think USC probably had. No, because even USC stumbled at the end. I mean, Utah and Oregon were the final two in the Pac-12 conference. And Utah got their ass handed to them by Oregon. Yep. So, it is what it is. So, I know it is getting late Oklahoma time. Well, late-ish for Papa Palpatine's old fogey butt. And like I, I got a thing I got to go to anyway, so yeah. Yeah, I kind of figured, so I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, as always, thank you to the dozens for being here each and every week, and we love you and appreciate you very much. Um, I'm not going to run down the schedule. Like I said, on the tournament, voting is every Tuesday until we crown a winner. There's episodes coming up that I've literally got scheduled for the next six or seven weeks. So check out the social media pages and I will keep you updated that way. Um, Chris, thank you again for coming back. Thank you for recommending the movie and we need to get all four of us back together again to do one of these sooner rather than later. Maybe even a Harry Potter movie if somebody would get back to doing her freaking homework assignment, but or we need to pick back up the uh, Lord of the Rings movies at some point that too. I know we can at least get three of us for that. We ain't getting Queenie for that one. We we might get a uh, a cameo from Cassandra though. As you look across the room at your wife, well, I looked over my shoulder and she's like, "Yeah, possibly." <laughs> she's like, "I don't fucking like you people, but I might show up." Spoiler alert! Because I haven't dropped the episode yet. Here's something you're really gonna love that Amanda's gonna hate. Halloween made it out of the second round and is into the Sweet 16 and is going head-to-head against the Lord of the Rings in the Sweet 16. Oh, God. She's happy. She's not going to be happy at all. I don't think Halloween's beating Lord of the Rings. In my honest opinion, but I can. Gods, I hope not. No, if fuck at this point, if it beats freaking Lord of the Rings, I'm just gonna throw in the fucking towel. Halloween's gonna win the whole fucking thing. Because I know Nightmare on Elm Street's Lord of the Rings. You know, just burn this bitch down and start over, right? Because I know Nightmare on Elm Street's not getting out of the freaking third round because it's got fucking Shrek. And I've seen what vote numbers Shrek has done the last two rounds, and no, Freddy's doomed. So, but yeah, so I will let you get out of here and go get to what you've got going on. And again, thank you for being here. And as always, we hope you guys come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good week, guys.